And here it comes with the number three 20 years ago. 20 years of trying for Earnhardt. He won the Daytona 500. Austin Dillon wins the 60th running of the Great American Race, turning the number three to victory lane. And he just did a slide to replicate what Dale did when he won it in the three 20 years ago. How fitting. How special. Welcome into At the Strike Podcast. You just heard the voice of Mike Joy from uh, from Fox Sports leading the three of Austin Dillon to the checkered flag. He is the winner of the 60th running of the Daytona 500. Lots to talk about uh, on this episode of At the Strike, presented by TSJ Sports. Uh, I am Noah Lewis here with you guys. Let's dive right into Austin Dillon. Uh, wow. I mean... The finish was spectacular. The race was great. There was only one green flag pit stop, so that kind of shows you in a 200-lap race how much intensity there was. There was blocking for third place. Um, you usually see blocking for the lead coming to the end. There was blocking for third place coming to the end of stage one. And and we had so much racing in the 60th annual running of this race. We had so much action. We had a lot of wrecks, uh, unfortunately, for some drivers, didn't get to finish the 60th running of the Great American Race. Some drivers didn't get to finish their second running in the race. Uh, guys like Eric Jones, guys like Daniel Suarez weren't able to come home and bring the car back in one piece. But Austin Dillon did not lead a lap of the race until the one that counted the final lap to take the checkered flag. And... All I can say is, wow, uh, a lot of fans disappointed in the finish. A lot of fans disappointed with how he bumped Aaron Marola out of the way to take the checkered flag first. Uh, the way I see it, it's the Daytona 500. It's not a move I'd make next week at Atlanta, but it's a move I'd definitely make to become a Daytona 500 champion. And when you're being blocked down the back straightaway, and all you can see is... All you can think about in your head is becoming a Daytona 5 champion, taking that checkered flag, writing your name in the history books in the 60th running 20 years after the three-car first went to victory lane with Dale Earnhardt behind the wheel. It's something that you've got to do. You've got to take the risk. You've got to take the chance. Why not? Almirola came down. Almirola blocked. Almirola stated after the race, that they were racing for the 500, and he has no hard feelings to Austin Dillon because Austin Dillon did what he needed to do to ultimately win, and Eric Almirola said he felt that he did what he had to do with blocking to hope to have a win. But everybody knows once you're the leader, they use the term, you're a sitting duck. You're waiting to be pushed. You're waiting to be turned. You're waiting to be raced. You've got to block both lanes, or you're not going to come back to the to the line. Um... Austin Dillon did what he had to do. He had a run. He had a push from the 43 car, Buffalo Loss Jr. He had the run to see, to get through for the win, and he had to do what he had to do. That's how I see it. A lot of fans disagree. A lot of fans think that it was a dirty move. A lot of fans think that it was a cheap shot at a win and that it was not right what he did. Um, and, and that's just going to be opinions for the rest of the season as we look back at the highlights of the daytona 500 people are going to either say wow that was some race that was some move or people are going to say wow austin Dillon, the silver spoon kid wrecked for his first daytona 500 win in the 60th running of the race uh that 10 car is competitive as we've seen it uh, definitely as competitive as we've seen it in the last few years, but it always, the 10 car and all the Stuart Haas Fords, uh, have always been set up to race Daytona well. So that was not something we didn't expect to see. And we can't really judge the speed of the car until we get somewhere like Atlanta. And we have Billy Scott, who was Danica Patrick's crew chief, who was in that 10 car. He's now paired up with Kurt Busch. So we'll have to see what kind of speed they bring to the track. Uh, as well and at, now that we're on the Danica Patrick subject Danica Patrick not the finish she wanted 
absolutely not the finish she wanted in her final NASCAR start. This was Danica's final uh, start of the Danica Double. She'll make a start in Indianapolis for the 500 in May uh, on the same day as the Coke 600 for NASCAR. And that will be her final racing event as a race car driver. She's got a lot going on. She's got her clothing line. She's got her fitness book. She's got a lot going on. Her wine, uh, her wine brand. So Danica is not dropping off the face of the earth. And she's got her new boyfriend, Aaron Rodgers, who, if you don't know, he's the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, and we'll definitely see her on that side of things. He was actually at Daytona on the pit box uh, for the whole race. Dur- all the races during speed weeks that Danica was in, he was there. He was there with her down in Daytona with her family. Uh, the whole weekend, and Danica was the most positive I've ever seen her in a after-wreck interview. And I think she really approached this weekend saying, whatever happens, Daytona's a crapshoot. You never know how you're going to come out. You're either going to come out very well, or you're going to come out on the bad side of the stick. And unfortunately, she did come out on the not-so-good part of of the stick, but after she gave an interview a very positive interview so good things to see from her and she's got another race she's got another chance to go make some history over in the IndyCar side and she already has she's she's the first female winner she won a twin uh, twin ring Motegi uh, a few years back before coming over to the NASCAR side never got the win in the NASCAR side never got a top five in the NASCAR side but regardless, she set records. She's she's won a pole in the Great American Race in her first or in her second uh, start, actually, first as a full time driver in the Cup Series, won a pole in the Great American Race, then, uh, as well as first to lead laps. She had a career best of sixth at I believe it was sixth at Kansas. Just missed that top five. Um, she's had some good runs. She's always been a great plate racer. She's always been up in the mix and that's what happened when she was involved in the wreck that was none of her doing just in the wrong place at the wrong time and wasn't able to avoid the uh the wreck uh so danica patrick will go down in history as the greatest female driver in nascar to the state um and and the first to ever lead laps when a pole and do all of those things in in the history and she's really paved the way for female drivers, Natalie Decker in Speed Weeks in the ARCA race, actually. Natalie Decker sat on the pole. She's got a bright future ahead of her. Um, she did very well in that race. She had some damage and still managed to, I believe, bring home a top five. Uh, so hopefully we see more out of her. But Danica's really been able to pave the way for women wanting to come up into the sport. And, and, it, and it's a big deal. It is. A very big deal for our sport to continue to grow and to change because, you know, a lot of people don't like change. Um, change is a good thing in, in some respects. So, and in some ways, change is a very good thing. And so hopefully we can see more change on the female side of a driver standpoint and make some more history and, and add more history to the record books of NASCAR with, with female drivers. Um, Danica was involved in the wreck. She was very competitive in the pack. Uh, she never left except for coming to the end of a stage, I believe stage one. She did back out after seeing some of the chaos that was beginning to ensue. Uh, she did back out smartly. I mean, she wasn't racing for points. She wasn't going for the stage points. So she did back out at that point. Then she hopped right up back in the pack and was unfortunately taken out and something that she just got caught up in uh she tried to hit the brakes and then slid into another car and came down hit another vehicle and and so on and so forth and had to go to the garage but like i said very positive danica patrick something we're not used to seeing definitely not what we saw at homestead when she got out of the car after being wrecked um and she's got another race so she's very excited about that go daddy still on the board or on the car excuse me Uh, in that Indy 500 race, so looking forward to seeing that. Alex Bowman. Uh, Alex Bowman in the 88 car sat on the pole this weekend in the 88 car. First uh, official start as the full-time driver of the 88, and 
Alex Bowman showed he's uh, he was in contention this whole weekend. He really showed it uh, in the dual races. Smartly, uh, once again, he backed off and kind of rid around, only to save that pole position. They went out and got the pole for Hendrick Motorsports. Him and Greg Ives, the crew chief, got the pole and wanted to stay there. So they were locked in. They didn't need to race in the duels. Got to the 500. Uh, immediately right off the bat, Alex Bowman was shuffled back a little bit. But all day, he was able to avoid wrecks, uh, stay out of trouble all the way down to the end, and, and just be in contention, be in the top five, um, and continue to impress like he's done in that 88 car all week uh unfortunately caught up in another wreck coming into the closing stages of the race when uh chase elliott had tried to make a move and brad Keselowski tried to make the same move they went around and i believe that is when uh that's when alex bowman was caught up in the wreck um other than that though Perfect weekend for him. Not, I mean, you can't you can't script it any better for your first day, Daytona 500 start. You could script it better in the way that you be the champion when you walked out of the speedway that night. But to have a consistent day into in the top ten, in the top five all day up until that point, to sit on the pole in that 88 car, the Dale Jr., the most popular driver in NASCAR, had just stepped out of. You know that's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a huge uh, it's a huge thing that's riding on your back, knowing that you're in the car that Dale Jr. was sitting in, and now you've got all these new fans. You went from a driver that no one really talked about to someone who's hopping in a full-time competitive car with one of the best, if not the best, teams in NASCAR with Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, something that Alex Bowman has on his side. He's not a rookie. A uh, common misconception is that he is, you know, he's not. He drove, uh, drove, he drove for BK Racing. He drove for Tommy Baldwin Racing in the Cup Series. Made I believe 81 starts before Daytona. Um, so he was he was very well educated in the Cup cars. He knew how one should feel, and he's he'd raced a plate race before in the Cup cars. So. Lots of experience, thankfully, wherein people weren't looking. Um, when people weren't watching to see the success because he was in a BK racing car. He was in a Tommy Baldwin racing car. He wasn't going to be racing competitively, but he was going to be learning. And no one, and that gives hope to guys like Matt Benedetto, who ran well up front, uh, cleared for third at some point in the closing laps of the race before the wreck and being involved in the wreck as well. Uh, he ran third he ran in the top five he was in, he was right up there before that final wreck and, I, and it was actually kurt bush uh i i take that back a while ago i said alex bowman was caught up in the chase and brad kozlowski right wreck i can't even talk today it was actually kurt bush that went around and and collected numerous drivers that's where alex bowman was caught up that's also where matt benedetto was caught up but matt benedetto soon after the race posted on on Twitter, he said, mark my words, one day I will win a cup race. And and from experience of meeting Matt DiMenedetto, <laughs> I hope that comes true. I was rooting for him. He is a great guy, fan favorite. You ask him to sign anything, he'll sign it. You ask him to take a picture, he'll take a picture. He really, truly cares about the fans, and he can drive a race car. And I sure hope that he gets his chance, much like Alex Bowman got his in that 88 car. Um Yes, yeah, so overall, successful day for Bowman, the showman, and we will see what else he can do in the upcoming weeks. Uh, Ryan Blaney, no one, I mean, I, I guess if you're a Blaney fan, you saw this coming. I personally did not see him coming strong right out of the gates, but what he had on his side this weekend is that Ford body is amazing at Daytona. Uh, it didn't end up in victory lane. But it was close. Eric Almarola was very close. But the Ford body is very good at Daytona. Much to do with that rear spoiler that's very high. The bodies were set up for a very high rear spoiler. They have Ford has announced that it's coming out with a new body to better compete at the mile-and-a-half tracks, 
with the Chevys and the Toyotas. Chevy just making it this year, Toyota in last season. Ford will be coming out with a new body next season. And But as of right now, with the plate races being... With the packages of the plate races being a higher spoiler, it really suits the Chevy... I mean, excuse me, the Ford body better and that could contribute to some of Blaney's success here this weekend, but he really won a duel and then came out and led so much of the race and was blocking top to bottom. I mean, he was he was showing that he can race a restrictor plate race and that he knew what he was doing, and that was great to see out of a young gun like Ryan Blaney. And he comes out of this week number one in the points. Austin Dillon is second with his win, but since those duels also had points involved, he won a duel, he finished moderately good he won a i believe he won a stage uh yes he did he w- he did win a stage in the 500 so all of those points added up he did come out on top in the point standings this week uh only week one so we'll see how that goes next week in atlanta see if he's still running consistent but to be in the penske group to be now at the uh at the main penske building working hand in hand with those guys truly probably going to pay dividends for that team and for that driver uh we already talked about the mixed reactions on the finish but we'll dive right into that again uh, a lot of people did comment after the race that they think eric almarola should take actions to wreck maybe austin Dillon in atlanta or to show his displeasure on the track Almirola did say after the race, I mentioned this earlier, he did he did say after the race that there was nothing, there was going to be no beef between them. Austin Dillon was racing to win the Daytona 500. It is our Super Bowl. It is NASCAR Super Bowl. And it was basically, if you want to compare it to football, it was like throwing a Hail Mary down the field. He had to do something in the final minutes of the race coming to the checkered flag he had to do something and Almirola understood that and that was a very very class act he did say he was heartbroken he did and as anyone would be when they could taste victory and and then they saw a wall and were spinning you know but he did say he was heartbroken but he understood the move he blocked Dylan he admitted to blocking Dylan it's what he had to do, and and he knew that they were just racing for a 500. I mean, it is what it is when you're racing for a Daytona 500. Um, I'm very interested to see how things go next week at Atlanta with the new body of the Chevrolet. Um, Atlanta is a worn racetrack. Very worn down racetrack. Uh, they were supposed to repave it after last race. And the driver said, leave it alone. We love Atlanta how it is. We love the bumps. We love how the track feels. We love the racing that it provides. Let's leave the track alone. We've had enough repaves at the time. Uh, and so they did. They did leave the track be. Um, they're still talking about, I believe they've confirmed that they're going to repave for next year. Uh, actually, I take that back. It's not yet confirmed, but it is. They have implied that they they will probably repave uh, after this race. And tell me what you guys think about the Atlanta repave. Personally, I think that it's going to need it soon. Uh, I do love the Atlanta racing. It's one of my favorite mile-and-a-half racetracks that we go to. 500 miles, second race of the season. Um, I do love the racing that it provides. Also, in that same, to turn a different, to look at it from a different angle, the track is very old, and we knew places like Daytona, the track was coming up. It was, before the repave, the track was breaking apart, and it was damaging race cars. Um, We can't have that. We cannot have a guy's race ruined because of a track regardless of the fact that the drivers want it to stay the same there has been 
I've heard that Texas, they the way they repaved it was to make it a little better than in a usual like Kentucky repave. Um, so it still provided better racing. Uh, I do I do like the racing at Texas. I do think that they had something good with that different banked turn one than the turns three and four. Um, they had something there. I do like it. I do think I, I was very nervous about that repave. I loved Texas. Um, so when they decided to repave it, I was very nervous. Like most fans, after we saw something like Kentucky, where there was a repave and the racing wasn't as good. Um, and that will take a few years for the track to be worn in. Now, with Atlanta, hopefully it can do something, not any, you know, change in the turns, but hopefully they can make it, make a way where the racing isn't too drastically different. But it is going to need it. it. The track is going to need a facelift very soon. Uh, one of the oldest, if not the oldest, track surfaces in NASCAR at the moment. So, yes, it is going to need it. I do know that. Uh, it will be coming in the next few years for sure. But we can at least see this race and get another good race out of the old surface and, and be happy with that. Um, we will see a lot of differences with tire wear this weekend than we did at Daytona. Lots of guys maybe blowing tires. Um, Atlanta's a very abrasive racetrack with tire wear. And that does have to do with its old surface, which is something that helps the competition. You know, it help, the, the tires being worn, how much you use the race car to save tires, how much you push, how much you don't push to save tires. You know, it all will come down to that competitive nature of what are you going to do? Are you going to save the tires? Are you going to burn the tires off? Are you going to risk... When you feel the vibration, are you going to risk coming in and losing laps? Are you going to risk staying out and blowing a tire and ending your day? It, it it will make the racing a lot better. That is another thing that we're going to miss with the new repave when Atlanta is repaved. So, very interested in that. But back to my topic of the manufacturers at Atlanta. We already talked about the Fords and how they're different bodied. Um, and how they definitely did not run as well last year or and the Chevys didn't either compared to the Toyota when that Toyota came out it took them a little bit to knock the rust off make sure they got everything where it needs to be and then they ran competitively and Martin Truex Jr. in a Toyota Camry won every stat there is to you know win that year in NASCAR except for DNFs he dominated and he went on to be the champion. There were no Chevys in the championship round at Miami. And that showed Chevy. That was very, very out of where they want to be as a manufacturer in the sport. So it showed them that there needed to be a change. And and that's where the Chevy body was come up with. And was sent out to be the new Chevy racing body. Um... Now that we have that body, what can it do? We we talked about how the Fords were set up and how they're coming out with a new body next year uh, and how they don't run as well compared to the two manufacturers. We don't expect them to run as well compared to the two manufacturers this, this year. The only Stuart Haas racing win last year came with Kevin Harvick winning at at a road course and Kurt Busch winning at at a at Daytona for the 500. Kevin Harvick also did score another win beating Martin Truex on a mile and a half racetrack later in the playoffs, but which I believe was Texas, but we didn't see the Fords consistently running well. And and that's something we'll hopefully see next season and that's something that maybe we'll see the Chevys run better with this year. Um, the Chevys have been set up to run more competitive with the Toyotas. 
who have run extremely competitive at the mile and a half. I mean, just dominate it. You've got Kyle Busch. You've got Martin Truex Jr. That whole JGR front. And, and they've been running really, really strong. Very, very competitively. And the Chevys hope to kind of match that or even better it. And that's something we really got. It's going to be a big storyline in our first mile and a half of the season. It'll definitely be a huge storyline when we get to places like Las Vegas. It'll be a huge storyline when we get to places like Auto Club. Anywhere we go this year with a mile and a half racetrack, Michigan. Very big story at Michigan. We'll have to see if the Chevys can match up to the Toyotas. That's what Chevy's going into this year hoping. Richard Childress Racing, who just won the Daytona 500, is expecting to be way more competitive this season. Andy Petrie, who's over there, uh, he's talked to the media about how RCR is going to have a breakout year like we haven't seen in the past couple of years with their body. They're doing a lot more with aerodynamic testing. They're doing a lot more in the engine department. They're just doing so much more. They've gone to a two-car operation over there at RCR with those Chevys. They do have Richard Petty Motorsports with Darrell Wallace Jr. And they have Jermaine Racing with Ty Dillon. And they have JTG Doherty Racing that they also branch out in and provide stuff for in an alliance way. But they're two they're back to a two car team which I think will very much help those two teams in the main hub of RCR communicate better. Um, there's something about when you go down to a two car team that really helps the betterment of the company. Um, Hendrick Motorsports has also talked about bringing their shops right now they have the layout at the team shop as the 24 and the 5 and the 48 and the 88. They're at two different sides of the campus, two different buildings. They're talking about bringing together those shops. They're going to be doing that. They're going to be bringing together those shops to be one big shop. And it's just come down to the competitive nature of NASCAR, how much is being shared between teams, mostly on like the Toyota side where they've got to do something to better the competition on their on their standpoint and that's bringing the teams together so they can work together they can put their heads together they can talk about how they're setting this car up they can talk about how they're setting this car up they can test they can do all of these different things they can see they can communicate better and that can help the organization as a whole so very excited to see if that Chevy body, all the work that has gone into the Chevy body for this year, if it can be competitive with guys like Martin Truex Jr., uh, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin. And then it, we'll really see it come down to which driver is better. Uh, on the Chevy side with Hendrick Motorsports, we've got a bunch of new drivers, a huge amount of new drivers. And... How interesting will it be to to see them in the brand new Chevys? Jimmy Johnson is the old guy of Hendrick Motorsports. When you look at Hendrick Motorsports, jumping into this conversation, when you look at Hendrick Motorsports as a past, you've got Dale Earnhardt Jr. 2015. Let's look at 2015 Hendrick Motorsports. Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the 88 car. Jeff Gordon in his final season in the 24 car. Jimmy Johnson in the 48. Casey Kane in the 5. All four of those drivers seasoned veterans. Just a few years later, in 2018, Casey Kane is not with Hendrick Motorsports anymore. He is with Levine Family Racing, who is also, uh, I forgot to mention, a RCR partner. He's with Levine Family Racing in that 95. Uh, filling in that spot is young prodigy William Byron. With a new car number of the 24, which was Chase Elliott, who filled in the 24 first when Jeff Gordon left, who's now in the 9 car, which was made famous by his father, Bill Elliott. Then you've also got 
Jimmy Johnson, who's still in the 48, who signed a contract extension, who's trying to set history and win a record eight titles more than anyone in NASCAR. Right now he's tied with with uh, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt for seven. And then you've got Alex Bowman, who's just stepping into the 88 car, just left by Dale Earnhardt Jr. He's not a rookie, but he is a young gun, and it is his first time in a competitive car in the Cup Series full-time. The course of Hendrick Motorsports has changed drastically for this season. And it'll be so fun to see what they can do. William Byron, I expect to go out and run competitive this year. This kid has gotten in everything he's done, and he's run competitively. He started in iRacing in a a virtual simulator. When he got into the truck series, he broke the record books with winning the most truck races by a rookie in one season ever. He had a horrible experience at Phoenix coming into the playoffs where the first the first playoffs of the truck series where his engine blew at Phoenix Raceway, uh, which is now ISM Raceway. The engine blew and while he was leading the race and his amazing rookie season turned to sadness because he was eliminated from the playoffs. And then he showed them and the following weekend went to Miami anyway and said, I'm not giving up because I, I'm eliminated from the playoffs. I'm still going to show you guys that I would have won this championship had I been in this race. And he won that race. He went out and won at Homestead Miami Speedway the following weekend. Then he jumped in. He, he switched gears on everybody. No one saw this coming. He announced that he was going to be moving to Team Chevy in the Xfinity Series with Junior Motorsports in the number nine, Liberty University, same sponsor that he had come into the to NASCAR ranks with, backed him up for another season, Liberty University and Exalta, coming in, signed a deal with Rick Hendrick. Oh boy, everybody knew in that moment what that meant. He was either going to be the replacement for Dale Earnhardt Jr., who was soon to retire, or the replacement for Casey Kane, who was soon to be taken off the team due to lack of finishing, lack of support from sponsors. Uh, Casey Kane lost his primary sponsor in Farmers Insurance. He lost great clips. So that was going to be an owner-fronted car. And for the following season after the 2017 season, which will be 2018 season, what we're into now, um, William Byron signed that deal in 2016 to come race with Junior Motorsports and Hendrick for the 2017 season. He jumped in that Xfinity car at Daytona, had a crash, still finished the race, and then showed everyone what he was made of once again and went out and led the playoffs the whole way through. Uh, He wasn't the regular season champion. That was his teammate, Elliot Sadler, but he was very close to that position. And he showed them at Miami that he can race a veteran like Elliot Sadler. In the closing laps, he was racing Elliot Sadler, 40-something years old, been in so many stock car races, and he came out on the higher end of the stick in his rookie season of the Xfinity Series and showed, here's what I can do. Won a championship. And then it had been announced that he was going to be driving in Hendrick Motorsports. He was going to be taking over that five car, which was originally announced, for Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, talk came after that about Chase Elliott going over to the nine car. Um, now that the five was an open number for Hendrick Motorsports to, without a driver there, change things up, they said, we think that William Byron would be a better fit for the 24, and Chase Elliott can go into the nine, in which he had always raced in his career in NASCAR, 
and and it was really a much better fit for Chase. He was very, he was rushed into that 24, and I know myself, it never felt right. I I always wanted to see Chase Elliott with a nine car on the door, and when this announcement came. It was a shocker because he had already had the support from the Jeff Gordon fans. He had already been in that 24 for two seasons. I was actually shocked that Hendrick Motorsports made this decision now, but this was the only chance they had. This was the only chance they had to make the decision. Um, And to put William Byron into the 24, uh, a prodigy of the sport that has come up through the ranks, should have had two championships already, rookie of the year in both, and, and, and... just showed what he was made of and that he was ready for cup cup competition. Very excited to see what William Byron can do. I think the rivalry, it won't be a rivalry per se, but in the fans' minds to see who can really take the flag for the new driver for Hendrick Motorsports will be very fun to watch. Uh, Will it be... Alex Bowman, who has the previous experience, or will it be William Byron, who has just been a prodigy, who has just ripped through the NASCAR circuit and has shown that he's not afraid to compete? Cup Series is a totally different thing. Xfinity, you're still racing a a lot of kids that are still learning the cars that are just coming up. You've got veteran seasoned guys like Justin Allgaier, like Elliot Sadler, but not as many. In the Cup Series, it's a faster car, it's a looser handling car, and it's a lot steeper in competition. And we'll, uh, we're, I'm, I'm very excited to see what William Byron can do with that and if he can make his name just as big and just as much as he did coming up through the trucks in the Xfinity Series. Uh, no doubt that this kid will will be someone who will be very talented and very successful in the Cup Series. But I'm excited to watch his initial season because in his past, with these last two years, and in his first season in any car, he's been able to jump in, learn for a couple weeks, have a few mistakes, and then he's really been able to drive. And that's another thing about William Byron. He's able to really study the sport, really study the car, really study other people's driving manners, really study his own, really study how the car, the crew, the spotting, all of that works. He is a very smart guy. He's very attentive. And he's able to really be successful in that way. And that's something we don't see with some people. With some other drivers that are coming up the ranks, we see a lot of impatientness, a lot of what they call rookie mistakes. You don't see that very often out of William Byron. Uh, Didn't have the best race at Daytona. He he was involved in a wreck. Um, Did save the car. Did manage to drive away with just about the least amount of damage as anybody that was involved in that wreck. Um, they did have some tire issues on the right side, which was where the car hit and they had a couple tires go down one where they went into the wall and then blew some debris. The caution came out another within 10 laps to go where they spun, uh, off the banking of turn four and around on the entrance of pit road. And the caution also came out. William Byron did get a, Top 20, uh, or not a top 20, he did finish, I believe, 23rd to cap off his first Daytona 500. Uh, but a very successful in some ways, and, and, and the ways of being able to finish the race. Uh, I listened to his radio coverage, the full event, and at no point was he impatient, was he angry, uh, and, and the first grueling 500 mile race which is way longer than any race that any Xfinity driver is able to hop in the car and to do in his first race he was able to bring home the car finish the race 
and stay patient while doing it. And that shows a lot. That shows a lot about William Byron. And so we did see that for his first race, not the race that he wanted, obviously. He, he wanted to be in contention. Um, but nevertheless, he didn't end up on a tow truck and ending an ambulance headed to the Info Care Center like many did. So back to what I was saying about carrying the flag for the young guns and Hendrick Motorsports. Very excited to see that competitiveness between those two and who can really be better. Uh, Darian Grubb is a championship winning crew chief with Tony Stewart. He won a championship with Tony Stewart. And then he went on to Joe Gibbs Racing where he won races with those drivers over there. Uh, he'll be working with William Byron. Great guy to have on the box. Great guy to have at Hendrick Motorsports. Greg Ives working with Alex Bowman. He's worked with Dale Earnhardt Jr. since 2015. Uh, they've won a few restrictor plate races together. And they've won at Phoenix together in 2015. So, Greg, a seasoned crew chief at this point, didn't have the season they won it last year at all. Uh, had a very, very up-and-down season. Ran pretty good at places like Martinsville, places like Daytona, you know, Talladega. But we still have to counter in the fact that we have a brand-new car. Greg, To say Greg Ives and that 88 team were the only guys struggling at Hendrick Motorsports last year would be a lie. Uh, Chase Elliott and the 24 car really held the flag and the banner for Hendrick Motorsports last year because they were very competitive throughout the season. They would have made it to the championship four if they didn't have problems at Martinsville and Phoenix. Uh, I, I strongly believe that. And if he could have stayed up front at Phoenix, obviously he was a lock. He ran and led laps at Phoenix. Um, he got taken out by Denny Hamlin. Very controversial race at Martinsville where he was leading with a few to go. So, but that team was competitive throughout the season. Jimmy Johnson came right out of the gate, got a couple wins, and didn't win for the rest of the season and didn't have the season he wanted. He didn't finish in the top 10 in many of those events. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. struggling over there with Greg Ives. Top 20s where the way the season was going. And obviously, Keith Rodden uh, and the five team still not where they want it to be with their program which hadn't changed for a couple of years so with this new Chevy body can Greg Ives do more in that 88 car can they run more competitively you know a lot of people are going to say oh it's the driver if they do run competitively a lot of people are going to say oh it's the driver Dale Jr. was washed up he was done this is why he retired he couldn't drive a race car anymore um, maybe not it could have been the equipment it could have been the car and the Toyota dominance, but we did see the 24. That's the only reason that someone can argue against that. We did see that 24 car from the Hendrick Motorsports stable with Alan Gustafson and Chase Elliott run competitively throughout the entire season. Didn't get a win, but came very close in many races. And Dover lost it with one to go. Uh, lots of mistakes. Maybe it's just destiny that he wins in the nine car. Already won a duel in the nine car. Uh, and we'll see what he can do at, at Atlanta. Very, very hopeful for Chase Elliott this year. Bubba Wallace Jr., how about him? Wow. All I can say is wow. This guy came from a team where he was told he wouldn't be racing for anymore due to lack of sponsorship. In the Xfinity Series, he bounced around, got in a truck race, won the truck race. Then he got into some other cars that season, ran competitively. Bubba Wallace Jr., a very successful driver. Uh, got into Eric Almirola's car last year, filling in for him in the Richard Petty number 43 Ford, which was already not running very well. Uh, a, more of a top 15 to top 25-ish uh, kind of car with Eric Amarola usually behind the wheel and his injury. Hopped in that car and in his final start in that car finished 11. So they obviously said we've got to bring him on board. 
Smithfield jumped off that car, headed over to the 10 car, which was opening from Danica Patrick, who had another year on her contract. But it was in the fine print that if she didn't perform, then, and, and also her sponsorship issues, um, then she was she understood that she couldn't race. And so Erica Marola announced for a full-time, full-fledged supported season uh, with Stuart Haas Racing with Smithfield. So easy deal for Tony Stewart to say, I'm going to get paid all 38 races by this company and have a seasoned driver in my car. Why not? Uh, they brought Bubba Wallace Jr. aboard, still looking for some sponsorship for the rest of the year. And the performance he showed at Daytona shows that, man, why not? Why not give that guy, why not put your logo on that guy's car? I know it's a restrictor plate race. I know that it's not something that you can judge a a car by or a season by. It's a crapshoot. We saw Matt Benedetto racing in the top five and, and racing competitively. He had a chance of winning that thing, and he's a car that is below the top 25 week in and week out. And so you can't judge a race by Daytona. It's all in luck. And it all it's also in, don't get me wrong, you do have to be very competitive. You do have to know what you're doing, but you have to have a lot of luck as well. Um, but the, the performance that Daryl Wallace Jr. showed at Daytona in wreck avoidance and patience and racing, how he raced, was very, very big to me. Uh, I enjoyed watching him race, and I'm sure he gained a lot of fans just in that race alone. And he is one of those guys, that team is one of those teams that is now partnered with Richard Childress Racing, who, yes, we have not seen competitive. I mean, they got a couple wins last year on fuel strategy and pitting strategy. Not a completely competitive team. They've had some races where they're very competitive, um, in regards to top 10s, but recently not very competitive as a team as a whole. Uh, with the new Chevy body, we come back to this Chevy body. RCR is expecting big things this year. That whole team is expecting big things this year, and maybe we'll see them, and maybe we'll see them from Bubble Wallace Jr. as well. They are alliced with... Richard Childress Racing, and that new Chevy body, why not? Why can't that be that 43 be better? And we will really see that come out again this weekend at Atlanta, where we will also bring you a podcast after that race. Look forward to it on recap of the Atlanta race and all the action that took place. A lot to talk about after Daytona, obviously. But Darrell Wallace Jr., can he back it up? Can he go through the season? That guy is a good race car driver. Uh, if he could take a a top 15 to top 25 car and bring it home 11th and run competitively in all of those races. At Pocono, he had some pit stop issues. In his first race, he's never run a digital dash. He's always run dialogue stuff. So, you know, you got to excuse that. But for him and Drew Blickensdurfer, the crew chief, to be paired up, I think this is something that we'll see that pays big dividends for him and and for Richard Petty Motorsports. Hopefully can, they can find some more sponsorship to sponsor that car. The 43 car looked beautiful with click and close on the hood. Um, and to finish second in his first ever Daytona 500, he was absolutely stunned. If you get a chance, look up his media interview after the race. Just amazing. A lot of emotion in, in Bubba Wallace Jr., uh, one of the things he said is that he's always wanted to do his best in everything he does. And he's always wanted to prove that to his family. And I think that he did. He did not take the checkered flag. He was not in victory lane holding that trophy up. But man, did he prove that he was there. They knew he was there. Looking very forward to seeing big things out of Darrell Wallace Jr. this season. Uh, Austin Dillon, going back to our winner, something that stunned me that he said in the after the race interview, 
A fan gave him a switch with him. They said, they came up to him and they said, I don't have a favorite driver, but if you give me your hat, I'll root for you. And heck, what a, what a fair, what a fair uh, trade. Austin Dillon gave him the hat. It was a, it was a kid. Gave him the hat and said, here you go. Now I can be your favorite driver. The same kid standing in the infield saw Austin Dillon the next day. He said, I found a heads up penny. I know about what happened with Dale. Here you go. This is your lucky penny. And Dylan said, I'll have to put that in the car. Glued it to the dashboard of the race car. Much like 20 years ago. What happened to the three car? It returned to victory lane. I'm not going to say it's all from a lucky penny. But, man, <laughs> it's something else. To, to have that kind of coincidence happen 20 years later, the three car in victory lane and a lucky penny just like 20 years ago when a fan gave one to Dale Earnhardt. That gives you goosebumps. Uh, definitely does. What to look forward to at Atlanta. Uh, we went over some of the things like the tires. That's going to add a lot of action. The pit, All the pit stops that happened. Um, 500 miles at the track. Another 500 mile race. Very looking forward. The, the weather so far looks pretty good. Uh, let's hope it stays that way. Uh, Atlanta, you never know. It's just <laughs> Daytona, you really never know, but Atlanta is very mixed up with their weather as well. So we will see what Atlanta has in store. Um, definitely going to be a lot of great racing, and we know that. And so Kevin Harvick has run pretty strong at Atlanta in the past. Um, he got in, a, in the car the first time. I remember this. First time after the tragic incident in the 2001 Daytona 500, Kevin Harvick got in the car in Atlanta and went out and won that race. And that was that was very cool. One of my favorite Atlanta moments is Kevin Harvick winning in that 29 good wrench car and, and dedicating that win to Dale Earnhardt. Um, very excited. Oh, another thing. I'm sorry to hop back on this. To see Austin Dillon in victory lane... 20 years after he was in victory lane with Dale Earnhardt. Man, they showed the picture on the TV broadcast of Austin Dillon standing with Dale Earnhardt and with his brother Ty in victory lane 20 years before with the man, with, with Dale Earnhardt. And it, it'll give you goosebumps. It really will. Um, what a Cinderella story for the 60th running of the Daytona 500. For the three car to go back to victory lane. And for it to be the biggest win of Austin Dillon's career. But it for it to be Austin Dillon in the car. Someone who was with Dale Earnhardt in 98 when he won that Daytona 500. It must have been so special. It would have been so. I know me personally, it would have been extremely special. Um, and then Austin Dillon doing his signature slide through the grass. Uh, something that I guess we're going to see out of Austin Dillon as he wins. Uh, he's going to continue the slide through the grass, much like he did in a race that he won before. So, very fun to see that. Lots of emotion coming out of the 60th Daytona 500, as you can imagine. And I look forward to finding out what's in store for Austin Dillon for the rest of the season. If he can back up that win with another win at a non-restrictor plate racetrack. Not on fuel, not on strategy, but if the RCR cars can run competitively. I think that is the number one thing to look forward to in Atlanta this weekend. Not just RCR, Chevy as a manufacturer and how they can set up to the Toyotas. Then we go to Phoenix, a different type of racetrack, a uh, more flat racetrack, somewhere where a setup will matter and a lot more competition regardless of the manufacturer, I guess you can say. Um, it, still, it still matters, but without the banking and the high speeds, you know, not as, not as manufacturer relied on I guess you for loss of words uh but we will see how that goes with Phoenix um 
as we get to Las Vegas and Auto Club, that'll definitely be places that we want to see how the Chevrolets can match up, how RCR, if RCR can come back as a competitive race team, much like they were once when they had Kevin Harvick driving for them. You know, uh, and now with a young gun like Austin Dillon, the young guns, the season with young guns. Can the young guns, I, I still consider Austin Dillon as a younger guy, can they match up to these veterans that we don't have many of anymore, honestly? Can they do it? Can, can guys like William Byron, Alex Bowman, but two guys that are great at Phoenix when we're coming up to it. But then you also got a guy like Kevin Harvick that's in a Ford. Great at Phoenix. They've missed the setup a little bit recently, but he said they're getting better on their flat tracks, and they're definitely getting better on their mile-and-a-half program. I mean, even the Fords. We've got to look at the Fords. Kevin Harvick came out and won a mile-and-a-half late in the season. So we cannot count them out as of yet in that in that competition standpoint uh, at the mile-and-a-half tracks. But we do know that... The new Chevrolet body was built specifically for more help in the tracks like this. When they first came out with the original Chevy body for the Gen 6 cars in 2013, the aero packages were a ton different, and they had to have a lot more downforce in other places of the car. And man, were they smoking? Were they amazing-looking? I mean, that's an opinionated statement, but wow, they looked pretty mean. Um, so, can the young guns match up to the seasoned veterans, the guys like Kevin Harvick, the guys like Jimmy Johnson? Can we race competitive? Kurt Busch, Martin Truex, uh, Kyle Busch, you know, can we match up with them? We've seen Kyle Larson. We've seen Chase Elliott. We've seen now Ryan Blaney. How about a William Byron? How about an Alex Bowman? How about an Austin Dillon? How about a Bubba Wallace Jr.? How about an Eric Jones? How about a Daniel Suarez? All guys and competitive race cars with competitive teams that can go out there and, and are expected to get the job done. We'll have a lot to talk about when we get back next week from Atlanta. Make sure you tune in on the TSJ or yes, TSJ podcasts on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We've uh, we've had a blast. I've had a blast talking and and sharing my thoughts with, about the race, sharing the highlights from the race. I hope you enjoyed as well. Leave me a comment and, and tell me what you thought. So thanks for tuning in to the first. This is the first, the first podcast for TSJ in the NASCAR side at the strat at the strike podcast. So I want to thank you all for coming in to to listen and hear me babble on hopefully you stayed the whole time <laughs> i know it's a it's a long time but as i said looking forward to atlanta what can we see from atlanta in the upcoming week what are going to be the big stories how are the chevys going to match up all these questions that we'll soon find out and i hope you'll join me next week to talk about it all and break it down thanks for tuning in We'll see you next week.